0: Good morning, welcome everyone to Woodburn Baptist Church. My name is Tim Harris, I am pastor, and it is good to see you this morning in cafe this morning. God bless you guys, we love you so much. You all had a great big Easter in there last Sunday, and we praise God for you. All of you in Perry, Oklahoma. Uh, Brian Ahern, uh, Tina Ahern, we love you guys so much. Uh, Two of our folks, uh, Kenton Powell and Rhonda Powell, are in Perry, Oklahoma this morning. uh, making a a preliminary trip to plan a mission trip for later in the year. So Kenton Powell, uh, Rhonda Powell, we love you guys. And God bless you in Perry, Oklahoma this morning. Open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 17. Let's talk about friendship. Friendship. You're thinking, Brother Tim, why are we talking about friendship? This is church. Friendship sounds like something that Oprah would talk about or maybe Dr. Phil. And and I am not Dr. Phil or Oprah. But it's very, very important that we talk about friendship. Now, if I'd said let's talk about fellowship, you'd think that I was in the right place. We use that word, fellowship. But I want you to understand fellowship is certainly not less than friendship. It's definitely more than friendship, but not less than. And many, many of us really struggle in relationships of all kinds. And I just want to make it very clear to you. I say this over and over and over. Relationship problems are spiritual problems. Relationship issues are spiritual issues. And and if your spiritual life is is out of whack, you are most likely going to experience the problems, the brokenness in your relationships, in, in your friendships. So let's talk about friendship. I don't know about you, but, but, but I know that sometimes it's easy to look at other people and be jealous of their friendships. You ever do that? Not that you want their friends or, or, or want to take something away from them. You just wonder what it is that they're doing that you're not doing. How it is that some people seem to make friends so easily. It's like some people have a gift for it. And I don't know that I have that gift. I, I wish I did. I think it has something to do with being very, very comfortable with yourself. And, and therefore other people are comfortable with you. Some of us are just awkward, awkward with ourselves and then awkward with other people. And so maybe it's difficult sometimes to, uh, to, to make friends. I, I don't know. Some people can walk in a room full of strangers and in five minutes come out and leave a room full of friends. They're just that person. And many of us just stand back and look and wonder how in the world that works and, and what we could possibly do to, to have that level of friendship in our lives. Let's See what the Bible says about friendships. Let's start in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. Here we go. Read it with me off the screen here. A friend loves at all times. Stop right there. Say that again. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Tell your brother, he is born to help in time of need. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. The Frazee family, Frazee was her last name, the Frazee family had a dog. It was a a, a beagle. Her name was Lady. The Frazee family had an opportunity to go on one of those big Disney cruises. The only problem was what to do with Lady. Lady was a beagle but not an outside dog. She was kind of an inside dog and very pampered by the family. And they were worried about about leaving her for for the period of time while they were on the cruise. So they looked around town and and they found a, a place called the Pet Hotel the pet hotel okay my dog would don't even tell my dog that this exists but it's a pet hotel where you could go and every single animal has its own bedroom as with a bed and a tv okay so the animal can lay around in 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 a bed all a human bed all day long and and watch tv so the family said this is great this is right up Lady's alley So, so they got lady their beagle a room in the pet hotel this is true And she had her very own bed, her very own room. She had a TV that they played all day long just for her. She could watch, you know, she could watch the views. She could watch the chews. She could watch whatever she wanted to watch all day long. They promised to keep the dog on her regular routine. They would feed her when she normally was fed. And they promised to walk and play with her multiple times a day. And now the family's thinking this is better than what she has at home. They're going to be better to her than we are. And they probably were. So the family left Lady at the pet hotel, and then they went on their Disney cruise. They they came back several days later. The first thing they did was go back to the pet hotel to pick up Lady, the beagle, because they missed her, because they loved her, and because they knew that she would be missing them. So they picked her up, they paid the bill, they put her in the car, and the whole family just started rubbing and petting and and telling Lady how good it was to see her. But as they were petting her and, and rubbing her and loving on her, her hair was coming out in giant clumps. Her hair was just falling out as they rubbed and petted her. Big, big clumps of hair just falling out of her body. So the family's alarmed. They got home. They rushed right in. They called the vet and explained what was happening, that they'd been away. The dog had been at the pet hotel, but now every time they touched, her hair would just fall out in giant clumps. And you know what the vet said? He said, that's caused by stress. Stress. She's been stressed because she's been away from you. So what you need to do, this, this is the medicine. You need to take her home. You need to all just be with her, love her, keep her quiet, and just be around her. And her hair will begin to uh, stay put. Y'all believe that mess? So they took Lady in the house. They all just loved her and talked to her and got her used to being home. And within 15 minutes, you couldn't pull her hair out. Isn't that weird? Explain some of you bald people sitting in this house right here. We we, we now know. (laughs) You you dudes need love. Y'all just need love. You're stressed. No, isn't that amazing that that if God made a dog to need companionship to that degree, if, if, if an animal falls apart literally, falls apart without her people, what do you think that says about us? If, if an animal needs that kind of love, then, then what about you and me? Now, some of us, we act like we don't need it. We act like we don't need anybody in the world. But but the Bible has a whole lot to say about love and our need for friends and our need for people in our lives. Not a single one of us was intended to be by ourselves. So the Bible says a friend loves at all times, and we all need friends and we all need love. Let's at least agree that far. But let's talk about why. Let's break this down. Because I'm not Oprah and I'm not Dr. Phil, I want you to understand from a biblical, from a theological perspective why love is so important. And to do that, go back to the book of 1 John with me. 1 John chapter 4 says this. Go ahead and read it with me because it's on the screen. God is love. Okay, stop. God is love. That may be the first Bible verse you ever learned in Sunday school as a child, But it is profoundly true. God is love. And all who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. Very, very important. God is love. If you want to find a word that describes God in his essence, God in his true nature, that word would be love. God is, of all things, love. If you dig down deep into Christian theology, you know that we say that God is actually three in one, three persons in one God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. So even that begins to blow our minds. But but, but the truth of that tells us that God in himself is actually three beings, three persons in perfect love, in perfect unity, so united in love, so united in essence that you would truly say that, that it's one God, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit united in all eternity and perfect love for one another. I know that's really, really deep weeds, but understand this, God is love. God is at his very heart a, a, a God of relationship. God is love. And all who abide in love abide in God, and God abides. That word there to describe God's love, the word that keeps coming back is the word uh, Abide. When we're talking about God and his love, we use words like faithfulness, we we use words like uh, everlasting, we use words like abide. The idea is that God's kind of love makes a home with us. Abide means just to move in and live there, you understand? So God's love is that kind of love that never runs out, never gives up, you understand? It comes to live and it never leaves. God's love is abiding love. So God, in his very heart, at his very essence, God is relationship, God is love, and it is an everlasting, never-leaving, abiding love. Understand that? So let me say this to you, and you may have to take a minute to think about this, but understand this. We are most like God when we love and least like him when we don't. This is a really good measure of your spiritual life, a really excellent measure of your Christian maturity if you're a believer. It has to do with relationships. You are most like God when you love. God is love. You understand? The Bible doesn't say God is church attendance. And I'm glad. You understand? So that means your church attendance record is not the best indicator of your relationship to God. Your relationship record, your, your love life, so to speak, is the best way to reflect on your spiritual life. You are most like God when you love. So get that. In other words, no matter how many Bible verses you can quote, no matter how much money you give to the church, no matter how many Sundays you come to church, what we mean is you're more like God when you love people. If you really want to see how you resemble God, then let's just pay attention to how you treat people. Let's pay attention to your relationships. If you're married, we could look at your marriage. If you have children, we can look at your relationship with your kids. If you work, we could look at your relationships with your coworkers. Those of you who go to school, we could talk about your relationship with other kids at school. We are most like God when we love and least like him when we don't. Those who do not love do not know God. First John goes on to say, because God is love. Got that? So very, very plainly. Relationship issues are spiritual issues. And the fact that in your life there's brokenness in relationships or, or you continue to live this life really cut apart from the, from the people that, that you need in your life, a, a life without friends, a life in many cases without family that you're close to, this is a spiritual issue, a, a spiritual problem. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about some just fundamental principles of friendship and, and how to have friends. Can we just do that? Let's start with step one. How to have more friends in your life. Let's go here. Here it is. Make room in your life for people. Make room in your life for people. Now, I know this is really, really hard for some of you to see yourself the way others see you. But honestly, a lot of people probably don't befriend you because you don't look like you have room in your life for people. For some of you, the issue is you don't know how to put your cell phone down. You never, ever have a moment of your life when you're not staring at a screen and nothing becomes a a larger barrier between you and actual people. I'm not talking about your 5 trillion followers on Twitter. I'm talking about actual people. Actual people. Like the people that you eat dinner with at night or the people that you're in school with in the daytime, or or the people that uh, otherwise you'd be in a conversation with, except that you never, ever turn it off, put it down. Do you understand? You have to make room in your life for actual people. And some of you just don't. Some of us just don't. We have a life that's way too crowded, way too filled up. The the, the key word when it comes to friendship is hospitality. Hospitality. Hospitality, when I say hospitality, many of you just simply think of having people over at your house. So it's opening your house to people, you're thinking, I'm not opening my house to anybody, you know, until I get a maid or or something. Nobody's coming in my house. And, And honestly, that's not really what I'm talking about. Hospitality is, before it's allowing people into your house, it is allowing people into your life. We're talking about making room in your life, making room in your heart. And, and, and truly, some of us just do not make room for people in our lives. Now, some of that is a defense. We want people. We're lonely. We really would want more friends, but we just simply don't We don't communicate that to people. We always keep people at a distance. We always act as if we don't need anybody. And for that reason, people just pick up that message, that signal that we're not open to new friendships. It looks like you don't want any friends. So understand, you have to make room in your life for people. That's just step one. Make room. Make room. Step two. This one's going to be hard for some of you, but, but let's go here. Share Christ first. Share Christ first. And then connect in other ways. Now, I know, I know, I know. You're saying, Brother Tim, you know, sometimes if you just come right out and be open about your faith in Jesus, then then people run away from you. They think that you're a TV evangelist or something, and it turns people off. Yeah, I I know. I I get that. I, I, I get that. But if Christ is first in your life, if he's not, I guess we can have another conversation. But I'm assuming at this point that I'm talking to believers for whom Christ is the most important thing in your life, the most important person in your life. If Christ is first, how could you not share him first? I would think that when somebody says, tell me about yourself, if you're going to explain yourself, you'd have to say something about Jesus. If you don't, then probably we're not dealing with the Christian here. You understand? If Christ is first in your life, if Jesus is your Savior and Lord, Then when you're telling about yourself to somebody new, I can't imagine that you're not going to say the name Jesus. Now, I understand. You're afraid that you'll turn people off, afraid that they will run. But, But guess what? Guess how weird you look if five years down the road, you finally get around to telling them about the most important thing in your life. You just look weird. How is it, if Jesus is the most important person in your life, that you've never brought him up to your friend? Either you don't love Jesus like you say you do, or you don't care much about your friend. Never to share the gospel, never to share Jesus with your friend, somebody that you would call a friend. Understand? I think you need to share Christ first. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you know, preach a sermon and take up an offering. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be very, very honest about who you are. And if you're a believer, if you love Jesus, and if Jesus has has a place in your life, if he's on the throne in your heart, then how can you have nothing to say about Jesus to your friends? I say share Christ first and then connect in other ways. You identify with people. That's, That's the other thing. It seems like the older we get, the slower we are just to identify with people, to have things in common with people. Remember when you were a kid, how easy it was to make friends? I just remember being in school. I mean, if you were both on the swing, you were friends. If you're both on the monkey bars, you're friends. You like flaming Hot Cheetos? I like flaming Hot Cheetos. We're friends. You understand? It just doesn't take much. Kids make connections. If you talk to somebody for a few minutes, it's my friend. But the older we get, it's like the pickier we become. I remember talking to a lady one day who said, you know what I really want? What would really make me happy? I said, no, tell me. She said, I wish I had just a group of really pretty friends. Really? You want a group of really pretty friends for what? Just to you know, we could ride around town together. We could all, you know, be the pretty girls. Really? Seriously? But that's how some of us are. That's how we become. It's like we don't think about friends in terms of just sharing Christ and and sharing love with one another. We begin to use people and we think of our friends as somehow being a reflection on us. And so I want to surround myself with people that I think will make me look better. So I want friends who are rich, maybe, and friends that are very, very good-looking. I, I mean, yeah, I wish I had good-looking rich friends. <laughs> All I got is y'all. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I got Warren. I got Warren. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I understand that. But really? Really? You're going to gonna leave your schedule open in, in, in case Peyton Manning or Scarlett Johansson call you? You understand? I mean, is that how it really is? You go to school and you look at the table where the cool kids sit and all you want to do is sit with the cool kids and you're ignoring the people at the the table where you actually sit. I mean, that's how we are. We pass over so many people who actually would make us really good friends because at, at first glance, they don't seem to be what we're looking for. Well, you don't know exactly what you're looking for if all you're looking at is the outside. Don't you understand? Ugly people make great friends. Ugly people are fun. If you don't believe me, then you need to just get out and meet some ugly people, man. They're awesome. Ugly, dumb people make great friends. They just do. Don't you ever watch the Disney Channel? On the Disney Channel, everybody's best friend is just a dork with a big heart. You don't notice that? I mean, every skipper has a Gilligan. Every Beavis has his friend. You understand? I mean, you just... Just a dork with a big heart will make a really really good friend. But your problem is you just keep holding out in case, you know, George Clooney gives you a call and he ain't coming. You understand? And who do you think you are anyway? Do you think you're better than other people? I mean, who do you think you are? Anybody should be your friend. You should just be open to whoever walks up. You like flaming hot cheetos? I like flaming hot cheetos. We're friends. Just connect with people. Identify with people. Let yourself have things in common with other people. You ever talk to those people that just will not identify? They won't connect with you? Say, hi, how you doing? I'm fine. What do you think about this weather? Wasn't it beautiful? No, I hate it. It's getting too hot. Yeah. You like movies? You know, I mean, I saw a club. I don't like movies. I don't watch movies. Yeah. Man, what about 24 coming? Jack Bauer coming? I don't watch TV either. You know, well, get out of here. I mean, you know. People who just won't talk, won't connect, don't be that person. You share Christ first, share Christ first, then connect in other ways. Just let yourself connect with people. What are you doing? Do you really want to be all by yourself? Do you want to not have any friends? Stop being so picky. Connect with people. Share Christ first, then connect in other ways. Next, number three. This one's hard. You're not going to like this. You can't have, say the word, true. You can't have true friends if you don't want to tell and hear the. You can't have true friends if you don't want to tell and hear the truth. I think this every time I watch those first opening episodes of American Idol every season. When the people who can't sing go on American Idol and sing. I mean, have y'all ever seen that? There are people who really can't sing, and they get on national television, and and the heartbreaking thing is, they think they can sing. Now, it's really sad that they think they can sing, and, and they can't, but what is most sad is they get all the way to television. They're on television, and nobody in their life has ever said, dude, you can't sing. Understand? So it's not so much that they have a bad voice, what is sad is they don't have any friends. If they had friends, somebody would pull them aside and say, you can't sing. Don't do this. Please don't do this. You see, in my life, I have Warren. Warren would so tell me that. Warren would pull me aside and say, dude, yo, you can't sing. He, he would. This morning, Warren came to my office and said, dude, yo. He said, last week, when you were turning off the baptistry, you shut off the breaker to the entire heating and cooling system. I said, I did? How would I do that? And then he explained it to me electrically, you know. That's awesome. I I love Warren. When I really, really get on his nerves, his word is whatever. If, If Warren says, whatever, yeah, whatever. But look at this verse, again from Proverbs. Check this out. An honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. Somebody who will tell you the truth. It's like a kiss of friendship. Look at the next verse, again, from the Proverbs. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. You just need somebody who will tell you the truth. A friend will tell you the truth. And if you are a friend, you will tell the truth. And you will know how to hear the truth from your friends a guy, a Christian man, who had an accountability relationship with his Christian friend from church, a brother in Christ. One of those guys over the weekend got involved, went too far, and, and had an affair. He cheated on his wife over the weekend. He called his Christian brother, his accountability partner, his friend on Monday. said, listen, I just got to tell you what I've done. And the Christian brother, his, his true friend, confronted him. I mean, he just laid it out. What you have done is wrong. You're going to have to make this right. And he confronted him in love and just spoke the truth to him. But the thing is, the guy who cheated, the guy who called his friend, the guy who had done this awful thing on his wife, when his friend confronted him in love, he said, Brother, I don't understand you. I was calling you as a friend. I was was calling you for support. Seriously? You really think that a true friend is going to support you while you ruin your own life? Wounds from a sincere friend are better, better than kisses from an enemy. You need people in your life who will tell you the truth. You need people in your life who love you enough to get up in your face and tell you when you're going the wrong direction. You need people like that, and you need to be that person in the lives of your friends. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses. From an enemy. Last thing, last thing. Love at all times, for all time. It sounds simple. But all through scripture, the definition of friendship is, is, is abiding love. It, it is a commitment that remains solid through thick and thin. Love at all times. A friend loves at all times for all time. The problem is a lot of us are uh, not very good at loving all the time. We love when our friends do what we want them to do. We love our friends when they flatter us. We love our friends when we are in a good mood. But that is not what the Bible considers friendship. A friend loves at all times for all time. Look at this verse here from Proverbs chapter 27. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. I really like that. How the loyalty isn't just to your own friends, but all the way back to those who were friends to your parents. Never abandon a friend. If we looked at the story of some of our lives, we leave this long history of abandoned relationships. You quit on people. You, you run out on people. You write people off. If somebody crosses you, you never forget and you never forgive. And you wonder why you don't have friends today. Do you understand? Never abandon a friend. A friend loves at all times. Some of you have never mastered that Christ-like, that godly kind of abiding love. I'm saying that if you're going to be like Christ, if you're going to be most like your father in heaven, you can't be like him unless you love like he loves. And his love is an abiding kind of love. It, it moves in. It lives. It never leaves. Never abandon a friend. One more verse. This is from the Psalms. This is one of my favorites because it's so important. Psalm 15, 1 and verses 3 and 4. Here we go. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? We're talking about what kind of people find your favor, God. Who, who do you approve of? Those who refuse to gossip. Whole another sermon there. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends and keep their promises even when it Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord, those who keep their promises even when it hurts? Some of you will be a good friend until it gets hard. You'll keep your promise of loyalty and friendship until the heat gets turned on and then you abandon friends. You can't live relationship issues are spiritual issues. And and the loneliness, the, the brokenness that characterizes your relational life says everything about your spiritual life. Do you get that? So what can you do? Let's talk very, very practically some things that you can do this week. First, why don't you Make a point this week, in the next few days, include somebody new in your life. Include somebody brand new. I'm not talking about, you know, make a special supper for your family. Come on, you can fry bologna for anybody, anytime. Include somebody brand new. Open your eyes. Look around you. Somebody needs a friend, you need a new friend, so include somebody brand new. It might be somebody at school. It might be somebody, a neighbor that you just haven't really invested in yet. It it, it may be somebody that you haven't even noticed yet. But you keep your eyes open. There are people all around you. And I always believe that God will put the people in your path that you need in your path. So pay attention to the people around you. And this week, you make a point of including somebody new. You you make a gesture of friendship. It's going to be risky. They may not appreciate it. They may not become your friend. But who knows, they may be your new best friend. Whoever they are, you just include somebody brand new. You with me? You're making room in your life for people, and you need people. In a very serious way, you need people. So include somebody new this week. You got that? Or, or, or this, number two. Maybe you do both, maybe you choose. But, but here's your second challenge. I want to challenge you to share Christ with a friend. It's about time, Right? You share Christ with a friend. You have people in your life that you work with or maybe your neighbors and you've never told them what Jesus means to you. And let me just say, as your pastor, that's just weird and that's just wrong. They are entitled to hear the gospel and they should hear it from somebody who loves them. Why not you? Do you not love Jesus or do you not love them? They're entitled to hear the gospel and they should hear it from you. So finally this week, Share the gospel with somebody that probably you should have shared it with a long time. Yes, it's awkward because you've let it go this long, but it won't get any easier by waiting any longer. You do it this week. You do it. I'll never forget Sarah Sutherland, who was one of our great ladies of the past, one of our our church saints, who died after a long, long battle with Parkinson's. And in Sarah's latter days, she became very, very concerned that there were some friends, international students from years ago that Sarah had hosted and that Sarah had opened her home to. She had befriended them in so many wonderful, wonderful ways, but she said, I never shared Jesus with them. And I feel like that's one of the great failures of my life, that I had these friends that I shared so much with and I never told them about Christ. You know what she did? She wrote them a letter. Toward the end of her life, with Parkinson's, she could hardly draw letters that you could read. But she wrote letters. She told them about Jesus and what he had meant to her through the years. And she wanted them to know that all the kindness she showed in all those years of friendship were because of Jesus. It was a little bit late. But it was a beautiful thing to do. Don't get to a point in your life when you realize that one of the great failures of your life is that you never share Jesus with the people right around you. This week, share Christ with a friend right now. Just ask God who it should be and he'll tell you. You'll get a name, you'll get a face right now. You'll know and then you begin to pray right now because you got a job to do this week. You need to share Christ with your friend. It's just about time. W- one more challenge. I know this one's big. If you have a broken friendship, fix it. The Bible says never abandon a friend. Well, you don't know, Brother Tim, you don't know what she did to me. She abandoned me. Well, the Bible didn't have a commandment for her, it's for you. Never abandon a friend. If they abandon you, you don't abandon them, understand? Sometimes your friends need you worst of all, Most of all, when they're pushing you away, don't be so easily pushed away. Are you a friend or are you not a friend? Because a friend loves at all times. You cannot live your life and leave this wake of broken relationships behind you. That is not the Christian life. That is not the way you follow the God who is love. You'll be most like him when you love like him. And you are least like him when you don't love. You have broken relationships in your life this week think of one you fix that you may have to say I forgive you you may have to ask for forgiveness you may need to call somebody who hasn't heard your voice in years and years and years let them hear your voice you need to learn to love at all times for all time, because the Bible says you just don't ever abandon a friend. God is love, the Bible says. And everyone who loves knows God and is born of God. Those who do not love do not know God, because God Jesus, honestly, it would be so much easier if it were just a matter of us and you. If all we had to do, Lord God, was just to love you and worship you, come to church, read the Bible, put money in the plate, that would be easy. But Lord, that is not the life that you called us to. You bring us to yourself and you fill our hearts with love, and then you send us out with love into the world to go love the world. And when you say love the world, what you mean is love the people right around us, the people in our path. It's easy to say we love. It's a very different thing to treat people as Jesus would treat people. And Lord, many, many of us, we live with lots of brokenness around us. Lord, some of us, have a lot of brokenness and a lot of friends that we have abandoned and a lot of people who have tried to love us and we have pushed them away. And, Lord, some of us, we feel like we try to love and we reach out and nobody will love us in return. Lord, it's all just so hard because this love is not from us. This love comes only from you. This kind of abiding love is only from you, Lord. We need it in a desperate way. We need that love in our own lives. We need to feel loved. And we need to learn how to love. Lord, as a church, let us start here with one another. Let us learn to love each other right here in these pews as we come and go from this place, as we see each other during the week. Lord, we want to be like you. And we know that we will be most like you when we love one another. Lord, teach us how to love. Teach us, Lord, how to be true friends to one another, how to love at all times. Lord, sometimes when we love, we get hurt. Sometimes we offer love to others and they do not appreciate it. They don't give it back to us. Remind us, Lord, that sometimes for the sake of love, we can be hurt. But we must continue to love. Lord, the world is much too small for anything other than love. Our lives, Lord, much too difficult for anything other than love. Teach us to love. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the Savior, the one who showed us your great love.